Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your guest host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. Okay, so for today's episode of the HR Works Podcast, we're doing something a little different here for you today, as we're always aiming to give you a front row seat into insightful conversations with your peers and thought leaders of the HR community. Today, I'm sharing a recent conversation on workplace wellness and burnout that I had with Second Nature's Chief People Officer, Chimreet Marquette. Chimreet joined us as part of HR Daily Advisor's HR Now Wellness and Burnout Virtual Summit and provided her great insight as part of the Now and Next Research Review webinar. Listen as Shimreet helps us review the results from a recent Now and Next subscriber survey and discusses the latest trends of workplace wellness. Shimreet shared some great advice for HR professionals battling against employee burnout in this one. And we only felt a right to share it with you, our HR Works audience. Let's check it out. Okay, good morning and welcome to day two of HR Daily Advisors HR Now Virtual Summit for Wellness and Burnout. My name is Josh Zygmunt, Content Director here at Simplify Media, the parent company of HR Daily Advisor and the Virtual HR Now Summit. After an engaging day one, we're excited to have you all back and returning for day two and to get this session underway. Getting you started today with our debut of the Now and Next Research Review, and I'm excited to get you introduced to our guest speaker, who's going to help us unpack these survey results. So please join me in welcoming Shimreet Marquette, Chief People Officer at Second Nature, Home Wellness and Subscription Service for Homes and Businesses. Shimreet, welcome to the Now and Next Summit. Thanks, Josh. I'm glad to be here. Uh, it's great to have you on. So, Shim, before we jump into our recent survey results and take a look at just some approaches to wellness and burnout, let's get you introduced to our audience here today. Uh, can you walk us through your career a bit? Tell us a bit about yourself and your work experience. Sure. Yeah, happy to. So, um, as Josh mentioned, I am newly the chief people officer at Second Nature. I started the gig in, se- in September. Um, Second Nature is working to redefine what professional property management looks like. We're doing that with our fully managed residence benefit packages, which allow property managers to offer their residents a custom suite of benefits like renters insurance, move-in concierge, and automated air filter delivery. Um, Our goal is to improve the experience for residents while adding to the property managers and and property owners bottom line. Um, I came to this role having been the head of people at EverQuote which is a publicly traded um, insurance marketplace out of out of the Boston Mass area where I live, um, came into that role when it was a company of about 40 people and oversaw the company's growth um, through its IPO to, to just over 700. Um, previous to that, I, I actually worked in the higher ed and education space um, and pivoted in, into HR coming up through the ranks through recruiting. Um, and I'm really excited to kind of share out some of my learnings today um, and, and, and hopefully also uh, learn, learn from this crowd as well. That's excellent. Thanks, Jim. So today we're going to talk about our Now and Next survey, which we conducted in late 2022. We polled over 2,500 members of our HR Daily Advisor community to help get a better understanding of how wellness and worker burnout are being looked at going into 2023. So let's share some of these results that we found today. And Shimri, I'll ask you to help us provide just some insight along the way and ask some questions, answer some questions, and really look at, again, where we are with worker burnout and worker wellness going into 2023. So let's get us started right off the top with our our first question that we had proposed in the survey. How much of a priority is work-life balance and worker and burnout prevention in your organization? And as the numbers show on the screen here, 
an overwhelming majority said that at least worker burnout and worker wellness were somewhat of a concern, right? In total, 93% responded that it was either a major concern or somewhat of a concern. So Shim, let's start here. Why does work-life balance and burnout continue to be a top priority and challenge for HR teams going into 2023? Yeah, I mean, I think to some extent, work-life balance and burnout are sort of ingrained within everything related to the employee life cycle and experience, right? We, we know that today's candidates, um, especially the folks who are coming up newer to the workforce, they, they are telling us that they want increased work-life balance. And, you know, this is in a time where in, in many of our orgs, people are sort of constantly on, right? We've got cell phones, we've got email on our phones, maybe we've got Slack. Um, we, we increasingly are part of these um, global workforce populations and remote populations where, you know, we're not all on the time zone, on the same time zone. So people are frequently trying to sort of um, manage and, 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 and mediate working with folks who are three hours ahead or three hours behind, or in some cases, you know, seven, 10 hours ahead or behind. Um, that can take a toll on our employees. Um, and while that's concerning, concerning in and of itself, right, we know that it impacts us as, as, as HR and business leaders because it impacts the business, right? Our people are able to do their best work when they're engaged, um, when they feel like they're able to, to have balance, when they feel like they know where, where and when they're able to prioritize. So helping to sort of move towards the point where we can get work-life balance right and uh, decreasing burnout um, will not only improve the employee experience, but it has a, it has a really strong correlation to business outcomes. Yeah, that's a, a great way to get started there. Thank you for that, Shim. So looking at the next data that we found, we had asked how effective is your organization at spotting those signs of stress in employees? And again, as these numbers show, Overwhelmingly, the majority said organizations were somewhat effective, right? 61% said organizations were somewhat effective to where 36% they were very, said they were very effective. Um, and then even in asking, what is your organization doing to help employees manage that stress and mental health challenges that they're finding? Half of our respondents said that providing tips and opportunities was something that's being done by the organization to help relieve stress, providing things such as breaks, fun activities. And then 31% found that they were encouraged by their organizations to be open and honest about their stress. Um, it is worth noting as well that 17% found that they were being offered support and resources as well to help combat those stressors and really help again with, with wellness. And again, one last piece there to look at. When asked, how do you evaluate the stress of your employees? 33% had said employee focus groups were a great tool for that, while 26% said personal conversation with employees was a great tool. Another 26% also said anonymous surveys of workers. So really getting that worker feedback seemed to be a, a great key. So with that, Jim, what are some of the major and common warning signs of burnout and stress within employees that HR leaders should be looking at? Yeah, it's a great question, Josh. I mean, I, I tend to be always rooted in the data, right? So I love this piece here about anonymous surveys of workers. Um, if you're not already doing that already, I encourage you to do so, right? It, it gives you that baseline so that when you hear those qualitative pieces or those um, messages from managers about, hey, things are getting worse or things are not improving, you actually have, have hard data to look at. Um, often, whether it's like a pulse survey um, that, that you can, that you, can you know, give out um, routinely, weekly or monthly, or maybe it's um, a more formal employee survey. Maybe you do that quarterly or, or biannually. I'd encourage you to sort of start thinking about how are you going to really measure this? 
other ways, I mean, there, there are lots of great ways, but attrition and also leave of absence data, right? So um, we know that when attrition goes up, um, at, at my organization, we do employee exit surveys. I encourage you to do that as well. Also kind of thinking about how am I going to be able to standardize these if I'm doing them in mass? Um, so you can report out on, hey, like simply asking people, you know, are you leaving because of stress? Are you leaving because of burnout to what, to what you know, affected that impact your decision to leave? Um, and being able to quantify that over time. Um, and then I think that a third one that I would encourage folks to look at is benefits usage data, right? So being able to really look at, hey, has there be, been an uptick in our you know, short-term or long-term disability leaves? And to what extent do I, do I have data that, to suggest that that might be like mental health or stress-related? Similarly, when you're looking at leaves of absence, FMLA, right? I mean, people take FMLA for all sorts of non-stress and non-burnout related, but but that can also be, be a big player. I know at EverQuote, during, when, when I was there during COVID, we saw a huge uptick in um, the number of folks going out for essentially mental health reasons. So many challenges as people began to navigate the realities of working from home and working without childcare. To some extent, we're sort of on the other side of that. We've improved, we've got a lot more strategies. For those of us with children in childcare, it has reopened, thank God, right? But there are still a lot of kind of balancing acts that a lot of us are trying to play as we adjust to this new normal. Yeah, looking at that data, really getting the pulse of your organization is a great way to tell if there's stress working its way through your workforce and becoming a challenge that needs to be looked at. One thing that, that I found interesting, just again, looking at the data on the screen here, is the value of employee focus groups and personal conversations with, with employees. So are there any ways that HR leaders can encourage those open conversations about stress? Sometimes that's a hard topic for employees to talk about. Even for, again, leaders at anywhere down, it's tough sometimes to be open about that stress you're feeling. So what are some ways in HR leaders can encourage that openness? Sure. I mean, one of the things that I always advocate for as HR leaders, but also as a leadership team, is really like modeling the behavior and modeling the work, right? So whether it's during an all hands meeting, um, at Second Nature, we do a Monday weekly kickoff meeting. So I, I encourage leaders to kind of start by being vulnerable to sort of acknowledge, right? It's sometimes helpful to, to talk about the elephant in the room, whether that's stress or burnout or an uptick during difficult times, you know, Q4 closes, what whatnot. But then also kind of giving managers the training and the language with which to have some of these difficult conversations, right? So inviting people to bring their whole selves to work, modeling the behavior, making it a safe space. And I think that that's a big piece of sort of what I would recommend and, and also try and model by example. Yeah, it's that idea of leading from the front. Uh, mm -hmm. And really, again, just to, just to use kind of the, the catchy phrases, but practicing what you preach, right? Um, I think that that really drives it home for your workforce when when your leadership team is being open and, and sharing maybe some of their challenges, being transparent, that's only going to trickle down through the organization. I think that's a great way to approach it. So one thing we looked at with our survey here was what's leading to worker stress? What, what are the leading contributing factors causing worker stress in your organization? And the feedback we found there was interesting, right? We saw a need for work-life balance being the dominant answer there with 29% followed by workload, and then unsafe working conditions and conflict with supervisors or coworkers really jumping out. Health issues, obviously, still prominent as, as we're dealing with coming out of the pandemic. But again, just obviously health issues being on everyone's mind still. 
I thought it was interesting that salary and even lack of vacation time felt a little lower there in the list. But but really, again, that work-life balance and workload being the dominant answers there. So from that, Shim, has our understanding of work-life balance changed over the past few years? Yeah, I think it's constantly evolving, right? Um, right. As folks continue to to change their schedules and their dynamics. I mean, I think even in my own career, right, in tech, which is over the last 10 years and intends to be pretty, you know, go, go, go. You know, I used to come into the office, I would do my work, then I would leave, you know, drive 40 minutes home to to the Boston suburb I live in, pick up my children, and then I would pretty much be offline. You know, I usually took my computer home, I little did a little bit more work. During COVID, everything sort of flipped on its head, right? You saw all these people doing different types of shift work. Um, we saw a lot of our employees, I mean, even folks who lived alone or were maybe maybe younger, didn't have children, um, doing work way late into the evening, just because there was this, um, really this embracing of sort of like asynchronicity and the ability to get your work done when you want. I love that. Like, hey, from six to eight, like totally offline, deep in with kids, letting folks know, hey, if like we need to have a call at nine. Um, today at Second Nature, our whole team is domestic, but at Everquote, I had a team in India. I had a team in Northern Ireland, right? I had um, lots of folks on the West Coast. So being able to flex around their schedules was, was really important to me. Um, but also having them be able to flex around mine, right? Like knowing that you can just pop out for a doctor's appointment and you don't have to sort of block a whole day makes things a lot easier, but also can lead to a lot more stress. Because I think especially with our younger workforce, it's hard to know when to draw the line. It's hard sometimes to know how to set boundaries. So, you know, I always sort of encourage teams, um, especially tech or like async or remote teams to really talk about like, hey, how are we going to work? And what are the expectations? And when do we all want, what are our core working hours? And how do we sort of let people know when we're out of the office where we are, whether it's public calendars, whether it's, you know, slack away messages, um, but really understanding like by allowing people to, you know, have increased work-life balance, we're going to have increased loyalty, we're going to have increased engagement, and to some extent, we're going to then in turn have increased productivity in business outcomes. For manufacturing populations, there, there are different sets of, of challenges, but also kind of being really aware of like challenges, especially related to COVID, being aware of folks who might have sort of health issues. Um, those challenges continue to remain present and continue to be top of mind for us. Well, I think for many of us, we didn't really know what work-life balance was pre-2020 or our idea of it was very different, right? Mm -hmm. It might've been, as you mentioned, logging off at work at, at a certain hour and that was your work Your work day was done and maybe it was, hey, I could get out early to get out in time to, to get home to make dinner. But now it was the, it's the idea of asynchronicity, as you mentioned, and being able to work your schedule around your life schedule and make them both coexist. I think we've all had some level of experience with that over the last few years. And so as a result, I feel like many employees now have a different expectation of work-life balance and see, okay, this is actually something that can be done, can be achieved and still work. You can still get your work done. But as you mentioned, I think there's a bit of, look, case by case, it, it makes sense. They're not all industries are going to be able to accommodate that. Not all roles are going to be able to accommodate mm -hmm. that. But getting on the same page with your teams and having an understanding of what's reasonable, what's expected, it certainly will help. The piece on workload that I want to look at, I think is really interesting. Look, workload and stress can be unavoidable. Some careers, some industries, it, it's inevitable uh, mm -hmm. that you're going to deal with very stressful times. 
But what are some ways that companies can help support those overworked employees who have, again, those unavoidable, just peak moments of stress in their working schedules? Yeah. So again, I mean, I think there's many different things we can do. And I'm sure I don't like I can't write the book on this. I'm sure there are people in the audience who have lots of great strategies. Um, I think a big one is sort of like owning it and being very clear. At, at Second Nature, we're really big on sort of showing gratitude, right? So we know gearing up for really tough periods, like, hey, you know, Q4 close is going to be all hands on deck, but kind of continuing to share out, applaud one another, support one another. One thing that I like that we did at EverQuote during our, um, on our sales team is we had built in kind of curated mental health days, right? When everybody was out, we did them once a quarter. And essentially we did them when we knew we would be less busy. So usually like at the beginning of a period, so people weren't up against their sales number, but the whole team took that day off. And the the ask was that you did something to refresh yourself, whether it was yoga or exercise or time with family or treating yourself to something. But the entire office, the entire team closed during those days, which made it a lot easier to be out, right? Sometimes for those of us who, when we're out, we're all, we're, sometimes we're still kind of on, we're still kind of paying attention, but really being able to, to shut off. And similarly, managers really modeling by taking those days and, and also similarly participating in them. I think other strategies are also just like helping our employees to understand like, hey, here's what you need to prioritize. And also like here are when things are going to get busy, right? I'm relatively new to Second Nature. I have a relatively new team in place. Um, So really sort of talking about at the beginning of the year, this is a great time to do that in January with our teams and then helping to cascade that to other employees um, and and managers. Like here's what the calendar year is going to look like. Here's what we need to be heads up against, right? Like here's when open enrollment is going to be don't take vacation during that time, right? Like do everything you can. If you're going to get married, like fine, but like let's let's kind of prepare now for what we know are going to be our busy seasons. Let's prepare now and talk about what our vacation calendars are going to look like so that we, A, like speak them into existence and know that we're maintaining our own work-life balance, but also making sure that we're refreshed and well-rested before we gear up for some of the seasons that we know are going to be especially busy. I love that. I mean, that's something I've even been able to put into practice with my own teams of looking at, hey, understand your schedule, know when, as you mentioned, your peak mm-hmm. periods are, but also know where there's stretches where maybe you don't have any set days off. You don't have any company holidays for a two, three month stretch. Recognize that. And that's where you can encourage your team and take some time off. Make sure you're being smart about yourself, having that open conversation again to say, get out in front of, of any challenges. If you know you're going to be really drained for that couple months stretch where we don't have any set company holidays coming up, take some time, be smart about that. I think that's that's a really good way to approach just balancing that workload and, and recognizing mm-hmm. that, look, there are going to be stressful times. As, as you mentioned, Shim, know your schedule, understand understand where your peak periods are, and then help your team plan around that to really get that, that much needed time off to step away, take a breather, and refresh. Mm-hmm. That's great. So looking at another piece of, of this wellness and burnout element, we asked through our survey, what employee benefits does your organization offer to alleviate burnout and encourage well-being? Um, and I thought it was interesting to see what we found here with unique PTO benefits being the leader, followed shortly by flexible work options. So again, things we've talked about already here, um, increased breaks also showed up as a, as a prominent piece. Um, and then mentorship programs, again, snuck through as well, which, which I thought was pretty interesting. But again, that idea of unique PTO benefits, we're seeing that come into the market 
certainly as of late with sabbaticals, with unlimited PTO becoming more prominent, uh, which I thought was interesting to find. Uh, another piece that we did ask was just the presence of an unemployed wellness program. And I thought it wasn't all that surprising, but still really encouraging to see that 91% of our respondents said that they had a, an employee wellness program built in. But when asked again, what's the importance of that wellness program, exercise programs and reimbursement came in as the most important piece of, of those available wellness benefits, followed by mental health support, telehealth, primary care came in third, health screenings and smoking cessation programs really came in, came in as that fifth option. So again, providing a lot of information there for you, Shim. Um, what are some great ways to communicate those offerings? Sometimes we find that they may exist and your employees aren't using them. And there have got to be some really great effective ways to make sure that employees are aware of the great tools at their disposal. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a great point, right? How many offerings do we have that we sort of introduce like on week one or even maybe day one when an employee is probably at their most overwhelmed and trying to take the most in and then we never really mention it again. Um, I'm big on like re-rolling out programs at a regular cadence, right? Whether it's through emails or Slack or trainings, also hosting little sessions on like, hey, here's how to actually sign up for this. We use the Headspace app at EverQuote and at Second Nature, we use the Calm app, um, which are essentially like meditation reflection apps. They're relatively, I think, like cost effective in the sphere of um, what you might want to introduce to your team. And if you get really great buy-in, what we found, especially during COVID when we rolled it out at EverQuote, was we sort of had whole pockets of teams that were sort of spending their lunch or the 20 minutes after lunch or the 10 minutes after lunch, just going through like a, a meditation, a refresh together. We got really strong buy-in there. I think also kind of reminding folks, so people um, with a lot of with a lot of these services, whether it's like the EAP or true benefits you have, you can actually see the usage over time. You can see it go. You can see some of these like logins and whatnot. So making sure that you've got regular reminders, kind of bringing them into your all hands, um, your your regular communication, I, I, I think is a great option. If your company is large enough to have a benefit specialist, you can kind of put all of this together. Um, it took me a while to get there at Everquote, and, and we had somebody who owned it. And, and we did, I think, saw, I think we did see a pretty nice kind of uptick in adoption when we really had somebody dedicated to the usage there. Other programs that I'll sort of give, like, you know, your EAP, right? In HR, we talk about them a lot. For the first several years when I was at, at Everquote, like almost nobody used our EAP. We saw a huge uptick in, in adoption and usage through it during COVID. Our EAP specifically had several free um, like telehealth um, and mental health sessions available. So that was really nice. I'm even wondering too, something as as new as maybe sabbatical programs or some of that yeah. around the PTO and just encouraging and making sure, as you mentioned, your workforce is aware of what's available and at their disposal. Um, even uh, seeing the rise of employee reimbursement programs or discount programs and just making sure, again, you're using your communication methods within your workforce to, to know they're available it can be vital. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely agree. And I think um, at both at both my current and my, and my previous company, we had open PTO, which is essentially unlimited PTO, right? We, we choose to use the word open PTO very deliberately, though. That's great. People can sort of take the time when they need it. They can take it in small fractions of time. Um, the counterbalance to that is sometimes people feel like it's harder to take, right? They're not sort of given very clear instructions. 
as a manager, as a leader within the company, I like to talk to, to our managers about really making sure and um, a taking vacation. That's a big piece of it. We again need to model the we need to model the behavior talking to employees about sort of like, hey, here's sort of, you know, the general expectation of kind of what I think might be the right amount of, of PTO this year. What's your plan to take it? Um, but then also like looking at the data. Right. So we do try and track our PTO, even though it's open. Um, so, you know, we've got folks who, who are on both ends of the spectrum, take very little, report very little, take a lot, report a lot. Um, so at, at Everquote, we used to send, you know, every quarter we would send um, an email to folks essentially saying, like, you haven't taken any PTO. You know, this is a reminder that you have open PTO. And research shows that, you know, employees who take a break from work um, end up being the most engaged, right? So so that's big to us. I think when you think about well-being, too, it's really also important to think about um, being able to bring your whole self to work. So it's sometimes hard to sort of disaggregate like burnout and stress and um, not liking your manager or having problems with team members, right? Like all of that is sort of all, you know, to, it, it kind of all comes together to sort of lead to like a lack of engagement um, and ultimately attrition and low productivity. So I think there are a lot of other things that I would consider like mentorship programs is a really interesting one. Um, Another one I would put on there is like ERGs, right? Employee resource groups. So being able to have affinity groups. Um, at Everquote, we actually had, we had a mental wellness affinity group where people came together to sort of discuss like meditation and, and well-being and making sure that they had balance in their life. Um, we had a whole bunch of affinity groups from, you know, our Latinx group to our, to our Black employees group um, and really letting um, employees know that like, you know, they can bring their whole selves to work, that that's welcome here, that that's a part of sort of maintaining our culture and our workplace. Um, and ultimately we found that there was like a pretty strong correlation with employees who were actively involved in those groups and kind of loyalty um, and tenure. Now, Shim, do you find that these wellness benefits, some of these great and really creative wellness benefits that companies and organizations are, are coming up with and offering their employees, are those coming through on the, EVP side of things. We're looking at employee value proposition all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. now, do, those, do those matter more to maybe the existing employees within an organization? Or can that also be positioned for recruiting and for those potential employees you're looking to attract and bring in? Oh, I think it's a huge part of like the EVP, right? Um, our recruiting team like loves this stuff, right? Because they're able to talk about it when people ask about culture. This is often what they talk about. Um, we even found that like we got our ERGs involved in the recruitment process. So at the final stage, when we sent employees to offer at Everquote, we had a real, I mean, large company, large um, ERG build out, right? Um, you know, at, at Second Nature, we have our one, it's sort of all DI and it's growing and there's a ton of excitement. But at, at Everquote, when we put a candidate through to offer, we would ask them, do you want to speak with a leader of one of our ERGs? We would list out our six or seven ERGs. Employees could opt in. And we heard some great you know, stories about employees essentially accepting their offers because they were so excited, not only about what they heard in those ERGs, but the company's commitment to that, right? I think unlimited PTO, right? Sabbaticals, flexible work options, the ability to work from anywhere, those are huge drivers in an employee's decision to to join a company. You know, today 
my current company is remote first, right? But I, I talk to candidates all the time who are like, I don't want hybrid and I'm only talking to remote first companies. That's great and really good feedback. And again, great feedback for our audience to know that your benefits package, your wellness benefits, they matter not only to your existing employees and can really make a difference in creating that great employee experience and supporting wellness and supporting burnout. But they matter to those prospective employees too, the ones who are looking to join and be a part of your great culture. So certainly embrace that, communicate and, and really advocate for those great benefits that you're putting together as HR leaders. Now, Shim, knowing that we're running up at the end of time here, I do want to close out with just one great question to ask you and share with our audience. And that's as we're going into this new year, into 2023, do you have a suggestion of one thing HR leaders should start doing in 2023 and one thing they should stop doing to improve that overall workplace wellness that we're working toward? Okay, I've got two starts and I'll give you one stop. My two starts are um, model the behavior, right? Lead by example, practice what you preach, as you said, Josh. Um, My second one is like gather the data, right? As HR leaders, like we are not just storytellers, but that needs to be rooted in in, in fact, and data is is what helps drive decisions. What I recommend we stop doing is like making mental health and burnout taboo, right? Um, These are real issues. We've all experienced it. We've all experienced in our lives, whether it's a loved one or a friend or an employee that we deeply cared about, a colleague. You know, it's not something that we can ignore. By talking about it, we can address it and, and, and we can help. Fix it is not the right word, but we can help make improvements. That concludes our special episode of the HR Works podcast. Thanks again to Shimreet Marquette, Chief People Officer of Second Nature, for joining and sharing her expert advice and insight on battling employee burnout in 2023. If you enjoyed this Now and Next research review, well, don't miss your chance to check out our upcoming Now and Next research review presented as part of the HR Now Benefits and Beyond Virtual Summit. Spots are still available for you to sit in on our live session on Wednesday, March 15th, but you can always access the on-demand version through HR Daily Advisor. For more information, visit the events section of hrdailyadvisor.com today. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.